0: Welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. I want to have you read with me a portion of scripture in the book of Mark. If you'll turn there, please. Chapter two. We're gonna start reading at verse one. To prep you for what I wanna share, I'm gonna tell a story within a story. I'll read you the story and then I'm gonna tell you a story within that story and it'll be for the purpose of helping to illustrate spiritual truths by using a natural enclosure paul referred to such a presentation as an allegory and jesus told parables and stories that we know as parables but uh, the same thing prodigal son the woman that lost a coin various stories for the purpose of illustrating a spiritual truth so let's read together again notice the word again because it implies that having been there before he was known in this area jesus entered into capernaum After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, broadcasted fast, spread through the streets. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not even about the door. And he preached the word unto them. If Jesus preached the word, how can we improve by doing anything otherwise? And they came to Jesus bringing one sick of the palsy, this paralyzed man, and he was borne or carried by four people. When they could not come near to him for the crowd, the pressure and the density of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they'd broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. Certain scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, said, Why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they so reasoned with him themselves, He said to them, why do you reason these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your bed and walk off. But so you can know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. What he was doing was telling them that he is God. God. And they don't grasp it. They're not willing to receive it. A lot of people today still wonder about that. Jesus was and is God. I say to you sick of the palsy, get up, take up your bed, go to your house. And immediately he arose, took his bed, and went forth before them all. And so much that they were all amazed and glorified, God saying, We have never seen it on this fashion. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen said, Now abideth these, faith, hope, and charity, charity being love. The greatest of these is love. I like the song we sang a while ago. Jesus was so well known in this area and throughout Judea. It got to where he couldn't even go in town without going incognito. He would go off into the wilderness areas to be alone, but that didn't work either. Crowds followed him. As high as 5,000 men plus women and children stayed three days out there, abandoned their businesses, their work, their income efforts. No man ever spake like this man. He was so well known by word of mouth because he... He walked on water. He healed everybody that touched him. And they were made whole. Blind eyes, deaf ears. The word got around. Even at 12 years of age, the doctors and the lawyers sat with their chins dropped and their eyes bulging as this lad told them things they never knew, answered questions they never had answers to, and they couldn't ask him anything that he didn't know. So, the word got around that this man, Jesus, was in the big fisherman's house. That's where Peter lived in Capernaum. He was a fisherman right on the shore of the Galilee. And Jesus went there because he had chosen Peter, and Peter followed him. And Peter's mother-in-law had gotten sick. So Jesus had been there before. And when word got around that Jesus had re-entered Capernaum and was there in the big fisherman's house, it spread like wildfire. The crowds came running through the streets hurrying to get there to get a good position, not to miss a word of what he said and to see miracles. A man sick of the palsy was lying on the floor in his little house. His wife had to work to make a living. Kids had to get out and gather bottles or cans if they had them, whatever he laid there couldn't move couldn't help himself and he heard the crowds rushing past his door they didn't have window panes or anything and back then just had drapes hung over the openings and he heard the crowds rushing past excitedly shouting it's Jesus He's back. He's at the big fisherman Peter's house. Hurry, hurry. We won't be able to get close enough to hear him. And the sick of the palsy is lying there, hearing this. Now, if you're in a shape like that, what are you going to do? I understand this man can do anything. He heals everybody that's ever brought to him or can ever reach through and touch his garment. I've got to get there. What am I going to do? Help! Help! A man rushing past his door hears that plaintive cry, stops in his tracks, turns and walks over, looks in the door. There the man lay. Help! He walked over to him and said, Sir, what is your problem? Oh, he said, uh, you know, you, you see me here. My wife has to work, et cetera. I'm a liability to my family. I have no life. I got to have somebody, somebody to help me get to Jesus. I understand there's nothing you can't do. Nobody doesn't care for her. He receives everybody. He talks up to the poor and the broken And talks down, I understand, to the Pharisees and scribes who think they know everything. And he calls them graves that don't appear. And he calls them a a generation of snakes. I mean, I got to hear, I got to see this man. Can anybody help me? Fellow reached down and rubbed his brow and he said, Sir, you're going to be okay. I'm going to help you. He said, I want to tell you, I never fail. I never fail. i always accomplish my purpose. I never fail. He said, we're going to get you some help. And with that, he stood and started walking back and forth in the house, praying, Father, I'll take his right arm. I need somebody for that left arm. I need somebody for the right leg and the left leg. Father, I'm calling on you. Please help me. I can't turn around and leave. I can't go see after my own benefits when I hear this man and see this man in such a shape. Help me. Help me, Father. And he starts calling out for help. The sick man's lying there on his bed looking at him. This fellow walking back and forth in his house, praying like that. And he says, sir, sir, who are you? He said, they call me love. Oh, he said, I've heard about you. You mean you're going to be here with me? He said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You can depend on me when everything else fails. I will be here. And he went back to praying God, send us some help. And a man, sick of the palsy, is lying there thinking, What a wonderful fellow. What a marvelous fellow. And about that time, another fellow's rushing past the door to go see Jesus, and he hears the man yelling, Help! He stops. Pulls the curtain back and looks inside, and he sees love walking back and forth over there praying. <laughs> he feels right at home. He steps inside and looks at love and says, "What's going on here, my friend?" Oh, he said, "You see this fellow?" And he explained the problem. <laughs> well, he said, "You got me. I'm here. I will help. Not a problem." I will help. I don't give up. I don't quit. I will help. Anytime you got me around, you'll never be ashamed. You'll never be disappointed. I will help, and I will stick with it until the job is done. And the sick man's laying there listening to this, and he thinks, my goodness. So he joins in with love, and this fellow starts agreeing with him sick of the palsy interrupts. Sir, you know, I, I, I've met this one, the fella, love, but he said, uh, I love the way you talk, man. He said, who are you? Oh, he said, they call me Hope. He said, hmm, that's what I've been needing, man, I've been needing you bad. He said, well, I'm here and you can depend on me and I will never leave you unless you run me off. Oh, no, he said, I won't run you off. I need help too bad. Help! He knows he's got to have two more. As he yells help, you know, it reminds me of a woman, pastor, down at the altar praying. And uh, she kept getting a little louder, a little louder. And one of the ushers finally went over to her and said, Ma'am, you you need to quiet down a little bit. God's not deaf. She said, What? He said, You need to cool it, lady. Just quiet down and, and don't be so loud. God's not deaf. She said, well, he ain't nervous either. (laughs) When you want something bad enough, you get serious. And God's not deaf, but he ain't nervous. And he does respond to those who diligently cry out and call on him and who stand in determined faith. So he's yelling help. Love's praying for him and encouraging him. Hope is hoping for him and talking that hope talk. And next thing you know, another fellow rushing past the door, hears that plaintive call, help! He stops in his tracks, turns, and walks over to the door, looks inside, and says, what's going on here? Love said, oh, thank God. God, thank God you've made it! Now I can get something done. Thank God you've made it. And Hope looked at him and said, "Woohoo! Woohoo! Thank God you've made it! Thank God you've made it!" Sick so of the pulpit, he's thinking, "Who is this? Got Hope and Love so excited." And as he lies there, he listens to this new fellow talk. He starts walking back and forth saying, miracles are coming, miracles are coming, miracles are coming. I see it coming. I see it coming. This man's going to be healed. This man's going to be saved. He's going to be lifted up off that sick bed. He's going to be able to make a living for his family. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I know because I always win. I always win. And when you got me, you've got all you need to conquer and defeat and overcome anything that's come against you. So just stand and believe. And as he's talking, the sick man is thinking, whoo, Who is this fellow?" The man says, "I am the person that overcomes the world. There is nobody, nobody that can take my place." Yeah, but who are you? What's your name? He said, "They call me Faith." Ah, now I'm reminded of that verse. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Now abides love, hope, and faith. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because he came first. He got there first. You know who love is? God is love. Do you know what love is? Love is God. God got there first while we were yet in our sins. He loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die a horrible death to redeem us from the sins that we had committed and from the death that we deserved. What kind of love is this that even while we were in our sins, Christ should die for the ungodly? God got there first. He is here right now, in this building. He is present. He knows what your problems are. He has seen you pray. He has heard your cry. He knows the groans that you've groaned in the middle of the night. God is here. I feel his divine presence so real and so near as I talk about the goodness of God and then hope always feels so comfortable and present in the presence of love. And now that Faith has arrived with hope and love. Something is about to happen. The man is so excited laying there on on the ground in his little house. He is so excited by listening to three of these. It's faith and listen to that faith talk. He just doesn't lose. He just doesn't lose. He overcomes everything, even the whole world, no matter what the problem. He's always over. Woo! Woo! I'm so glad faith has arrived. And I can see him now as he's thinking. Love is here. Hope is here. Faith is here. But I'm still laying here. Help! Love said, hang in there. Hang in there. It's working. Hope said, yeah, I'm still here. Hold on. Faith said, I know what's about to happen. I know what's about to happen. The sick man says, Help! Suddenly, a big, brawny, broad-shouldered man, near at the hips, hears the cry, stops, and looks in. He fills up the entire doorway. What a figure of a man! And love sees him and says, Yes! Hope sees him and says, Come here! And he grabs him, gives him a big hug. You're who we've been waiting for. Faith said, Oh God, now I can live. Now I can live. Oh my God, now I can live. Woo! Thank God you've showed up. Oh, you wonderful thing, you. And the man said, What's the matter? Love explained to him right quick. He said, Hold on run out the door, made a little makeshift cot with a long pole down each side, brought it back in, laid it down beside the sick of the palsy, rolled him over on it. He said, love, you get that corner, hope you get that corner, faith, you get this corner, and I'll get this corner, and we're gonna get this man to Jesus. He risked down, set everybody up, count to three, one, two, three, Sick of the Paul's there, and I'm thinking, whoa! And they started out the door. He said, Where are we going? <laughs> this man said, We're going to get you to Jesus so faith can get you healed. He said, Really? And I can see him now as he's bouncing on his little cot. These guys are jogging down the street heading for Jesus at the fisherman's house and he's thinking what a guy love I know hope I've met faith thank God is here but who is this wonderful fellow nothing was happening until he comes along and they of all three others showed so much fascination and joy and rejoicing at his coming, and he must be awfully important. Sick man said, "Sir, up there, you up there? Hey, up there, holding my right leg. Hey, you, sir." The fellow, big broad shoulders said, "Yes." He said, love I know, thank God for him. Faith I know and hope I know, thank God for them. But who in the world are you, you big, good-looking, wonderful fellow, you? He grinned, tossed it over his shoulder, said, my name is Works. He said, that figures. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder why it is that God leans so much on his people to get his job done on this earth. Does that fascinate you like it does me? You mean things don't happen until we put some hands and muscle to it? You mean things don't happen until we put our brain to work and put some money out there to make something go? You mean, yeah, God depends on us. Love is waiting on us. Hope is waiting on us. Faith is waiting on us. And they're jogging down the road now and works feels so good about himself. him he flex his shoulders now. And faith over there next to him starts singing his song. I feel good. I feel good. Every day that I'm alive, I feel so good. I feel good. He glances over at works and Works looks over at him and grins. Faith says, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Without you, I'm dead. (laughs) Works smiled, and he's feeling so important by now. He starts singing his song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble (laughs) when you're perfect in every way. Can't wait to look in the mirror. Get better looking every day. To know me is to love me. I must be a heck of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. But I'm doing the best that I can. (laughs) Hope and love exchange glances. Shake their head and roll their eyes. Hope says, leave him alone. We're getting there. (laughs) And sure enough, about that time, they round the corner and there's the house. Whoa, said works. I wasn't expecting a crowd like this. How are we going to get in there? Love said, oh, somebody will let you in, said Tap on the shoulder and tell them about the sick man we got and, and, uh, and they'll let you in. Fellow turned around to Works and said, Leave me alone, man. I ran hard and I hurried fast to get the spot I've got. I got where I can look right through the window there and I can see his face. I ain't moving. Works said, Is he a Christian? Love said, oh, don't pay attention to that one. Let's try again. You know they had to try different ways to get in before they go up on the roof and tear the roof off. You got to know that. But everybody there was so interested in me, me, me until they didn't have time for anybody else. I got here first. This is my spot. It's where I always sit. I bought and paid for this seat. It's mine. What are you doing in it? Well, you can tell I pastored churches for a while, so you understand. (laughs) Hope said, look, I see this is not going to work, but we don't quit and we don't give up. He said, you see those stairs going up the outside of the house? Yeah, what about it? He said, come on, we're going. Love and hope started pushing on faith and works. Started toward the stairs. They stumbled up the stairs, and I have to understand the way the houses were built. In those days, they had flat roofs on the top, and the women would go up there, and they would want to wheat and do their treadmills and you know, the housework, <laughs> all their housework. Not the kind of treadmill you're thinking about. <laughs> they had to they had to thresh out the wheat with a little anyway. So they'd go up the top of the steps. Works said, "What are we doing up here?" He's down there. Hope said, "I know," and that's where we're going. Love said, "Start tearing a hole in the roof." Works. What? Start tearing a hole in the roof. We're going to let this man down in front of Jesus. You've got to be kidding me. Do you have any idea how much that's going to cost? Love said, don't worry, I'll pay for it. (laughs) Well, he said, I didn't know you was that rich. And he said, if you say you're going to take care of it, what if he sues us? Love said, never mind, just tear the hole in the roof. Mark said, well, whatever. So he got those big strong hands and he started tearing the roof apart. Now you've got to get this picture in your mind. Jesus is sitting down there teaching. He got his scroll. And they're tearing the roof off above his head and there's junk and stuff falling down on Jesus and on his scroll. And this is Peter's house. He'll cut your ear off in a New York minute. (laughs) I can see Peter now as the rage hits him deep. His anger flares and he rushes out through that crowd, shoving people over and gets out there and runs up that roof and yells, what are you doing? Love said, sir. Went over and put his arm around him and patted him on the shoulder and said, uh, I think I know you. You're, you're, you're one of Jesus' followers, correct? Well, Yeah said, so, "Well, we have a sick man here, and he needs Jesus, and we need you to help us. Help you do what? We well, help us get him down through the roof. We've got to get the crowd wouldn't let us through. Surely you, wonderful Christian, you, you're not going to stop us from tearing a hole in the roof to get this man to jail. He got to have some help. He's not even saved. He needs God. Peter said, well, who's going to pay for this? (laughs) Love said, oh, I'm not sure who all will pay for it, but I'll be responsible. Peter said, you got plenty of money? He said, well, no, but we're going to take up an offering. Would you like to give? Hope said, Look, we've run out of options here. We still have one way to go, and that's to drop this man down through the roof in order to get in front of Jesus. So go get us some rope. Now, if anybody had rope, it'd be Peter there at that house. And uh, you know they didn't bring rope with them because they didn't know they were going to need rope. But hope just always finds a way. You understand what I'm saying? And love, he'll talk to you and talk you into doing things. That love will talk, will talk you into, look, here's what I've done for you. Now, could you do this a little bit for me? Well, yeah, I guess so. Well, go get us some rope. Next thing you know, they got rope. And they tie it off on all four corners. Love said, now, works, you get that corner. Faith, you get that corner. Hope you get this corner. I'll get this corner. We're all going to count down steady. Now, everybody, everybody work together here. We don't want to spill him. Over the hole we go. That's a big hole because they let him down on his cot. I know they did, because Jesus up in the the roof of Peter's house. Somebody is pretty good at selling, and I've never seen anybody could do it better than love. Amen? And if you want to complain about what you have to do, he'll remind you of what he's done for you. You're not shouting real loud, but you know I'm telling you the truth. Okay, so it's a big hole. All right, we'll get it fixed later on. Let's all count down. And love says, now, hand over fist. Everybody count down. Look out, look out, look at, look at, look faith you're getting ahead. Well, he said, I'm excited. I know what's going to happen. I know, I know. Yeah, but you've got to wait on works. You've got to work with works up there. Faith doesn't like it, but he knows he's got to do it. So hope and love and faith and works, the four that brought the man to Jesus are counting down in harmony. Pastor, I know a good title for this sermon, The Harmony That Raised the Roof. Yelp. And they finally... Feel the slack in the rope. Now, folks, when you feel the slack in the rope, get ready. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You pray, you press your way through, you did everything within your power that you could do physically and mentally, and you walk and listen to faith and the love of God and walk with hope until you finally, suddenly sense That God has taken over, and things beyond your ability are about to happen. You understand what I'm talking about? You that know how to pray and talk to God and have worked your way through problems and issues time and time again, He never fails. I heard God say this to me one time, if you don't quit, I won't. So, when you feel the slack in the rope, get ready. Did Jesus ever complain about the junk falling in his hair? Did he ever gripe about the inconvenience or the interruption to his sermon? You know what has pleased me as much or more than anything I've ever done, Pastor? And that's when I've been preaching. And teaching and ministering the word. And suddenly I see somebody get it. And they literally jump up and start running. I stop. Good interruption. Let them go. I've loved I've seen times in the past when, you know, people weren't quite so restrained. <laughs> in the earlier days when people that have screamed and yelled help and finally got it. Jump, jump and run I've seen times when things just kind of went out of my hands and out of my control and I just had to stop and wait and watch the Holy Ghost do his work among the people I've seen times this happened four times in a row three, three times in a row on a Sunday night where I was pastoring the Holy Ghost had begun to move among us so powerfully in this little country church. People were coming from town, the big town, Corpus Christi, out, driving out to be in our Sunday night service. The house was just filling up completely. And I, I saw three Sunday nights in a row. I stood up, and all I did is read my text, and that's as far as I could get. The Holy Ghost was just like an explosion, just erupt in the congregation. And sinners, hardened sinners, would get up and run and fall down at the altar. One night at 9 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, two young girls, nine years old, were kneeling in their seat. They were second row from the front, kneeling in their, in their seat, and I could hear them praying in tongues. <laughs> it kept getting a little louder and a little louder. And I'm standing there just waiting to see what was going to happen. And suddenly, I'm talking about 9 o'clock closing time, dismissal time, I saw a woman break through the swinging doors, walked in. She's a pretty, pretty good-sized lady. Walked in and stood there looking around like, I don't know why I'm here, but, but, but something's going on. And I saw those two little girls. One of them was her daughter and one was her little friend. That was helping her pray. I saw those two little girls stand up. They just suddenly knew it in their spirit. They stood up and they took off running back there. And they threw their arms around that woman and were crying. And that woman broke down and and, and started stumbling to the altar. She didn't get her all the way. She fell on the floor over there crying out for God to forgive her. And to straighten her out. She had been, she was one of the first persons that ever came to the church, and she had gotten away from God and quit because she and her husband had lots of problems. She just quit. And these two little girls prayed until that woman walked in the door at quitting time and gave her heart to God. Time and time again, when the Holy Ghost takes over, I'm taking a minute here to try to emphasize the need. For the Holy Ghost to move in our hearts and stir us. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen in our nation politically. Things are not looking like we'd all that are believers would like for them to look. We don't know what's going to happen militarily. We know what's happening overseas in the East. We know how people that love Jesus Christ are being killed and slaughtered, watching their children killed in front of them and seeing children watching their parents killed in front of them. We know. You've been watching. You've been staying up with current events. These things are happening. We don't know what our future is, but we know what love is. We know what love is. We know the power of walking in love. We know the power of being forgivers of people that have done us wrong. We know the power of confessing our sins one to another that we have done wrong to. We know when they do those things, the Holy Ghost will do a work among us. I see Jesus now as he stops his message. He looked up. When the man was on the ground in front of him, he looked up. We don't know that he looked up before that. But when the man was there in front of him, he looked up. Does anybody remember what he was looking for? Anybody remember what he was looking for? When he looked up and saw faith. He wasn't looking for works. He wasn't looking for any other person. He was looking for faith. Because faith is that by which he does all his miracles. And faith told him, when he sees me, you're going to see something happen. Oh, Lord. Jesus saw the faith, and he looked back at the sick man, and he said, sir, sir the most important thing that's ever happened to you is about to happen. Your sins are forgiven. I know I'm ad-libbing a little bit, but you know that that is the most important thing ever that can happen to us. And then he said to the sick of the palsy, there's some believers here that don't think I can forgive sins or have the power to do it, so I want to show them that I do because which is easier, to heal the sick or to forgive sins. Get up. Take up your bed and walk out of here. And when that fella got up and picked up his bed, I guarantee you they made room for him to get out the door. (laughs) Miracles always make plenty room for the things of God. Amen?